run to the Father. Hallelujah. And that, let that be our heart's cry today and every day of our lives. Because that's what the Christian life is all about. It's running to the Father. It's knowing the Father. It's looking to the Father. It's doing the Father's will. I mean, do you realize that that was the focus of the life of Jesus? And he was our example. And, and the whole of the life of Jesus was around the Father. He said, I came to do the Father's will. You know, I speak as the Father directs me. What he tells me, I tell you. And so his whole life was about pleasing the Father. And he invites us on this journey as well. Amen. So good morning, church. Good morning to those of you here present, those of you online. Happy Father's Day to all the dads and granddads. Come on. Hallelujah. <laughs> and welcome to part two of Parenthood. We started this series on Mother's Day with part one, talking about motherhood. And today is the second part where we talk about fatherhood. This two-part series focuses on some of the struggles that mothers and fathers face. And the aim of this series is to encourage mothers and fathers to continue relentlessly with this God-given calling of parenthood, to continue with tenacity, with faith, amen, and to do what we have been called to do. Hallelujah. Now, if you are a father or a mother for any length of time, you know <laughs> that parenthood ain't easy, right? There is no definitive course yet on parenthood, all right? It is not easier, and yet it is one of the greatest privileges that we get to have as humans. We get to generate a new life. Imagine that, all right? Just like God, he, he created everything. He gave us this little ability to create something as well. He built in us the ability to create life, hallelujah, and then we get to nurture this new life. We get the privilege of shaping this new life and pointing it in the right direction. Above all, we get to teach them about the Lord and help them to connect with God, with Jesus as Lord and Savior. Yet, like I said on Mother's Day, although parenthood is a wonderful privilege, it is a challenge as well. It is a challenge. It is not easy being a parent. And all the parents said? Okay, so I'm not alone, right? We, we live in days where the pressures of life, the economy, politics, world politics, career paths, culture, and morality, they all seem to go against what we as Christian parents envisage for our children. We want them to go this way, but the whole world seems to be going that way, and, and, and it's a struggle. But these are the realities of life, and there are moments that, as parents, we feel inadequate. Sometimes we feel as if we are failing our children, and parents feel that way. No matter how, how good they are doing their job, how wonderful they are, there comes moments in parents' life where they feel that way. We all do. If, you're, if we are being honest with ourselves, like Mother's Day, celebrating Father's Day can be a difficult time for some people. For some, it is difficult because 
Today, this Father's Day will be their first Father's Day without their father or grandfather present. For others, it is difficult because Father's Day can bring up past or present hurts. Not everybody has a wonderful relationship with their fathers. And so on a day like today, some people remember those hurts, past or present. Hurts that you encountered as you grew up. Or, or it may be hurts that you feel yourself as a father. Come Father's Day and it seems that you are reminded of, of, of your failures and you feel hurt by your own failures as a, as a father. However, regardless of how wonderful your birth father is or isn't, or regardless of how wonderful a father you are or not, you need to understand this, that you have a heavenly father who extravagantly loves you. Thank you for those three amens. This is a truth. Whether you're a father, mother, son, daughter, parent, or no parent, you have a heavenly father who extravagantly loves you. That's a bit better. Because that's the truth. And we need to remember that. With all the struggles of life, sometimes we forget that truth. And we get caught up in the pain of, la- of life, and we don't remember. We forget the great love our Father has for us. And this must be our focus as fathers as well as sons and daughters. To look up to and to learn from our Heavenly Father, just like Jesus did. His whole life was about Father. And our life should be about Father. Our strength, our guidance, our direction, our instruction, our energy. Everything should come from the Father. Because that's how we are designed to exist. God is a Father you can approach at any time to ask for wisdom and advice. In James chapter 1 verse 5 we read, If Any of you. Now, the word any is a very interesting word. The word any means any. Because that's what any means. Anybody. You included. (laughs) If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. Let him ask of God. Who gives to all liberally, abundantly, and without reproach. And it will be given to him. But you're not going to ask him if you're not focused on the Father. You're not going to ask him if you're not in a relationship with him. You're not going to ask him if you don't believe in him. So that relationship with Father must be there. So that you can have the boldness, the freedom to come to God in those moments where you need wisdom and guidance. And you can ask him and he will give you. You see, God is a father that shows no favoritism. I've watched in my few years on this planet, I've watched some parents have favorite kids. A favorite son, a favorite daughter, and that son or daughter gets all the attention and all the nice toys. And the others must just make do. But our heavenly father never does that. 
Romans chapter 10, verses 11 to 13. It says, for the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. God has no favorites. Whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction. Did you hear that? There is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. You see, for many years, the Jewish nation, they thought they were the only ones because they are the ones who serve the God, the Almighty God, creator of heaven and earth. Yes, and God did work especially through them to make His presence known in the world. But His aim was to touch every nation. And through Jesus Christ, the door has been opened. So that any person, whoever, no distinction. And verse 13 says, For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Hallelujah. Whoever, you are a whoever. If you're watching, if you're listening, if you're sitting over here, you are part of the whoever. And our Father listens to all. He's got no distinction, no favorites. You know what? When you come into his presence, he says, you are my favorite. And then I come into his presence, he tells me, "Ah, you are my favorite. (laughs) You know why? Because we are all his favorites. Hallelujah. Praise God. Say, I'm a favorite. (laughs) And whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, that word saved means more than just being saved from sins or saved from going to hell, okay? Um, Strong's Greek dictionary says that saved is the Greek word zoe, zoe, which means to save. That is, deliver, protect, heal, Preserve, do well, make whole. Wow, it's a rich word. So when it says whoever calls shall be saved, as a father, as a parent, as a son or daughter, you can call on your heavenly father to what? To deliver, to heal, preserve, protect you and your children. Amen. Whoever shall be Zoe saved, all these things. Hallelujah. God is a father who promises repeatedly throughout scripture that he will never leave us nor abandon his children. Now, family and family relationships are close to God's heart. No wonder that since the beginning of time, Satan has tried to interfere and destroy family relationships. One of the greatest targets of the enemy is the figure of the father. Now, Satan hates everybody, okay? He hates you. It doesn't matter who you are. And he wants to destroy families. But the father figure is a particular target of his. It is often said that the way we view our birth fathers plays a large role in how we view our heavenly father. As a result, many picture a God who is physically or emotionally distant. Why? Well, because so many fathers are distant or absent, emotionally or physically distant from their children. Have you noticed how poorly fathers are represented in in the media, in arts, in films, movies, and so forth? (laughs) 
In these stories, the uh, fathers are the distant ones, the absent ones, the ones who never understand, the ones who rule with an iron fist and then uh, don't take time to listen to their children, to understand their children. They want to force them to, to be what they want them to be. Otherwise, they are sidelined. There are some people, listen, there are some people who grow up and they never see their father demonstrate love towards their mothers. Yeah. They never saw their father demonstrate love publicly to their mother nor to them. There are adults today who have never heard their father say to them, I love you. They've never heard that. They've never heard the father turn to the mother and say, I love you. Never heard it. It doesn't mean the father doesn't say it. Maybe in the privacy of their room, the father tells his wife he loves her. But openly and publicly, never. And to their children, never. It's a fact, guys. In South Africa, for a long time, we have been hearing the term fatherless generation. Have you heard that? It's a common term. It is a problem that we have in this nation. Fatherless generation. Some years back, a student from Stellenbosch University, she wrote an anonymous article for an online newspaper or news website. <laughs> it's not a paper. And, uh, and she was calling out to fathers to make the right choices and change the present trend in the nation. And she writes, and I quote, The absence of fathers is all around us. It has become the norm to be surprised when an acquaintance tells you that their parents are still married. Or when meeting couples that have been married for the seemingly impossible 10 years or more. <laughs> Upon further analysis... Of my own surroundings, many of my friends of various cultures, races, and backgrounds live in a single-parent household, the majority with their mothers. There are many reasons for this fatherless generation, namely divorce, lack of interest in the upbringing of a child, mistakes in conception, and deaths, to name a few. Note... This is not a condemnation of actions, but a cry for change from broken sons and daughters. I do acknowledge that in certain cases, mothers are to blame. However, as statistics and reality prove, fathers are absent. While I sometimes understand the various reasons for this fatherless generation, some cases are simply unacceptable. And I need you to realize this. Fathers, you need to realize that your decisions affect the people around you. End of quote. Church, this has to change. Things have to change, and we, as the church, must take the lead. We, as Jesus-following fathers, must take the lead in making these changes. 
As we face these challenges, we need to look to the Word of God for help and instruction. Now, it is true that the way we view our birth fathers will, and particularly in childhood, the way we view our fathers in childhood particularly will affect, and it plays a large role in how we view our heavenly father. And I've heard of cases where teenagers, when we say, God is your father, they cringe. They only heard about Jesus as the elder brother. That's cool. But the minute you say, Father, some youngsters have needed ministry, healing, inner healing ministry, before they could accept God as their father because of the scars that they have due to their earthly father and experiences there, guys. And it is so true that the world does not make it easy for men to be dedicated, always present fathers. There are many fathers who fall into the trap of being so preoccupied with providing for their families that they lose sight of their families altogether. You see, the world paints success in terms of wealth and possessions. But God shows us that the truly successful fathers are the ones who invest themselves in their families, in the lives of each member of the family. Fathers, when your colleagues, when your documents, when money becomes your new family, do you realize the psychological effect this has on your children? Do you realize that by placing your desire for power and wealth above your family, you may achieve your goals, but there will be a devastating effect on your children. As fathers, we need to realize this. Think about this. Put it in the balance. There is a pressure from this world to get, achieve, become, be. But there's the reality of a family who needs us there, present. You may have heard our children spell love. Children spell love, T-I-M-E, time, <laughs> okay? Time playing, time eating together, time doing things as a family. Now, it's not necessarily long stretches of time. I know, kids will take up all your time, okay, if you allow them. But it's not about the long stretches of time, but it's the time you are with your kids, be there, be present, be focused, get involved. Create memories. <clears throat> Amen? As they get older, they spell love differently. They spell L-I-S-T-E-N. Listen. 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 Listen to encourage, not to break down. Listen to understand, not criticize. Listen to hear more, to hear even that which is not being spoken. Listen to create a safe space where your children can express themselves and find solutions, find love, find acceptance. You know what, what's the most used phrase by teenagers these days when they talk about their parents? My parents never listen. 
colleague of mine who works with youth, when, when the youth tell, tells him about the problems they have with their parents, he asks him, but, but have you spoken to your parents? They say, yes, sir, but they don't listen. They override him. They are not connecting. <sighs> so listen to connect, to understand, to create a safe space, to hear their heart, to hear more than what's just coming out of their lips. In Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells two parables. The parable, well, he tells more, but there are two specific parables in Luke 15. The parable of the lost sheep and the parable of the prodigal son. Now, you're familiar with them. In the parable of the lost sheep, in verses 4 to 16, a shepherd lost one of his hundred sheep. And so he left the 99 safely in the field and went looking for the lost sheep until he found it. He brings the sheep back on his shoulders and then he calls his friends and they rejoice in the fact that the lost sheep was found. In the parable of the prodigal son in verses 11 to 32, a father divides his inheritance between his two sons at the youngest son's request. This is a highly offensive thing, actually, because it never got done in those days. Inheritance get divided after the father dies, not while he's alive. Very unusual. The younger son then leaves and spends all his money in a short time, being forced to return home and ask his father for forgiveness, hoping to be employed as a servant. The father restores him as a son, however. Not as a servant, restores him as a son, and throws a party to celebrate his return. The older brother, however, <laughs> does not share in the joy of his father over his brother's return. So those are the two parables in Luke 15. Now, when we, we read them or preach about them, much of the attention is given to the lost sheep and to the prodigal son. They seem to be the focus of the parables. However, Jesus uses these two stories to reveal the heart of our heavenly father towards his children. In both parables, the shepherd and the father are fully aware of and they care about the welfare of those under their care. The shepherd is fully aware of his hundred sheep, and he cares about them. The, 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 the father is fully aware of his two sons, and he cares about them. They are aware as to whether they are present or absent, obedient or disobedient, walking the line or walking outside the lines. Listen to Luke 15, verse 4. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? The question is this. How does he know one is lost? Because by the sounds of it, he didn't discover at night when he's, when he's putting all the sheep away and, whoops, one is lost. No, it happened during the day. 
while they are happily eating there in the fields. How does he know a sheep is lost? It is because the shepherd is present and mindful of his sheep out in the fields. He's not absent. He's not playing video games on his cell phone. He's watching. He's present. He's aware. Where are they? Hello? And so he, he, he doesn't get surprised in the evening when, oops, one is missing. No. He's aware. And when, when, as soon as he says, hang on, wait, wait, wait. Ah, one is missing. Man, he's on his way to find that little sheep. It is the same with the father in the story of the prodigal son. Listen to Luke 15, verses 18 to 20. This is the son speaking. He says, I will arise and go to my father. And I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. That is true. He did. He had sinned. He had embarrassed his father in his culture. To ask his father for an inheritance while he is alive is a slap in the face. It's to wish his father dead. Yes, he sinned against God and he sinned against his father. Very true. So the man recognizes that. And he says, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Very true indeed as well. By his actions, he disqualified himself as a son. And then he says, make me one of your hired servants. Reasonable request. You come back off what you did. You know more than a servant. Go and work, you little. <laughs> right? And so he arose and came to his father. But, oh, these buts in Scripture. But, when the son was still a great way off, the father saw him and he had compassion and he ran. Do you know that in that culture, older men didn't run? They walked. Why? Why should they run? At my age, I've earned the right to walk. You're in a hurry, you run. I want to get to me. You run to me. I'm not going to run to you. I'm the father. I'm the statesman. I'm the head of this home. This father ran to his son. The old man ran to the young man. And he fell on his neck and he kissed him. Well, you know there is a story. He doesn't accept his son as a servant. He restores him to sonhood, and gives him a party. So in the parable of the prodigal son, we see a father who cares more about his children than he does about his wealth and his own reputation. He watches for his youngest son. How did he know that his son was coming? How did he see him afar off? Because this father, since the day the son left, this father was watching, hoping he would come back. And he wasn't careless about it. He was looking every day, every now and then. He'd walk out on the veranda and, and look down the road. And anybody there? Ah, not today. But he didn't give up. And so the day the sun comes over the horizon, the father is ready. He's been waiting for him. Now, the father 
was aware of his younger son and expecting him to come and aware of him, and that's why he saw him. But the father was also aware of his older son. And when he throws a party for the younger son, the, the older son is not inside. He's not rejoicing. He's outside. And so the father goes outside to talk to his older son, who is complaining that he has been working all the time in the fields, and he has never had a party. <laughs> he is full of self-righteousness. I've done this, I've done that, I've been here, I've been straight in. And man, man, look at my brother has done. He's full of self-righteousness because he has not squandered his father's money like his younger brother has. Listen to this, Luke 15, verses 32-32. This is the older son speaking, talking to his father. He says, but as soon as the son of yours came, doesn't even call him his brother. As soon as the son of yours you know, came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots. By the way, who said that the younger son, youngest son had been with prostitutes? Bible just says that he wasted his money. He spent his money. Maybe he did. Maybe he didn't. We don't know. This guy is assuming things. When you get self-righteous, you assume all sorts of things about everybody else. Huh? So he says, you killed the fatted calf for him. <laughs> oh, he's so upset. He's so bitter. And the father said to him, son, you are always with me. And all I have is yours. Remember, he had divided the inheritance. And the older brother got twice as much as the younger brother because that's how things work in those days. The firstborn got twice as much as all the others. He only had two kids, so one got two-thirds, the younger one got one-third. And it was his because the father had already made the split. Yes, they would wait until he died, maybe before you take full position, but it was his anyway. He could do whatever he wanted with it. But you see how bitterness is now blinding him? And he says, it was right that you should make merry and be glad for your brother was dead and he's alive again and was lost and he is found. You see, the father pursues his older son who has also rejected him in his own way, pleading with him to, to come home, to come inside, to sit by his side and lay claim to his inheritance. He had an inheritance, but he was not aware of it. He was not enjoying it. He was working as a slave, actually. And so many of us sometimes do that as believers. We belong to a loving father. We've got an eternal inheritance. And yet we walk around like slaves, as if we have nothing, complaining all the time, looking at other people who have goods. And, nah, yeah, 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 what about me? I do this, and I do that. And I got, Come on, guys. Let's step into our position as sons of God. Connect with the Father. Talk to Him. Spend time with Him. Be inside with Him. We, we love to run our lives, do whatever we like, do our jobs, our sport, our entertainment, our recreation. We like doing our thing. And we never spend time in intimacy with the Father. But when the Pope hits the fan, Father, why, 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 why? 
God calls us to intimacy with Him first. So that He can give us the wisdom we need. So that He can supply our needs. So that He can direct our lives. And not be like the son who had everything and was not enjoying. Was not full of joy. Was selfish. Was greedy. Was bitter. Was resentful. So in the story of the prodigal son, the father represents the heavenly father that Jesus knew so well. And that's why he told these stories. He knew his father and is trying to get us to understand God the father a little bit better. Jesus is showing us the abundant grace and goodness of God towards us, his children. He loves and restores the ones that were lost. He reaches out to the self-righteous ones and helps them to see who they really are and why they should show mercy and rejoice with those who repent. Listen, as sons and daughters, and everyone in the house, everyone watching, if you listen to my voice, you're a son or a daughter, right? So as sons and daughters, these parables show us That we have a loving and generous heavenly father who is present and willing to embrace us and love us. So you see, none of us is fatherless. If we can look to God as our father, connect with him as Jesus has instructed us, as he calls us to do and to be. Now, fathers, if you're a father, as fathers, these parables, they give us direction of what our attitude should be as fathers. Jesus knew the father, and his life was about making the father known to his followers, to us. As believers, and particularly as fathers, our aim should be also to know the Father and learn from Him and His Word, the Bible. In in the message version of Ephesians 6.4, Paul writes, Fathers, don't frustrate your children with no one scenarios. Take them by the hand and lead them in the way of the Master. You see, just as God revealed Himself to us through Christ and showed us, how we should walk with the Lord so earthly fathers should build up and equip their children to face a world beyond their front door by being present in their lives and by showing them how to walk as children of the light. But fathers, you cannot teach something you don't know. So first, you and I must walk with God. You and I must embrace Him, spend time with Him, Learn from Him. Experience that life with God so that we can teach our children and show them the way. And so, even if you did not have a caring father, you can be a caring father by learning from God the Father and by deciding that you will not repeat the mistakes of previous generations. Not having a caring father present in your lives does not disqualify us as men and as women from being someone a younger generation can look up to for wisdom and advice. 
Our relationship with our birth fathers don't have to dictate what kind of relationship we have with our Heavenly Father or with others. If you're struggling with where you stand in the sight of the Lord, remember that Jesus risked all and gave all because of His desire to have a full and complete relationship with you. And He continues to seek you out. Even when you are at your worst. Bible says, while you were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait for us to behave ourselves and then save us. No. At our worst, He loved us. He still loves us. Even when we misbehave. And so we need to turn to Him. So, if you're a father today, if you're a father who has struggled with being present in your family's life, it's not too late to begin fresh today. If something in your past requires forgiveness and reconciliation in order to begin building a healthy relationship with your children, first take the issue before the Lord in prayer. Talk to Him. Seek His counsel. If you need someone to counsel with you, if you need a discipleship or help, perhaps it's time to approach someone and open up and seek the help that you need. If you are a wife, pray that your husband will fully step into his role as a husband and as a father. And that you will seek the Lord together with you as you make decisions as a team for your family's future. Wives, your prayers are powerful and they are needed. Husbands need the prayers of their wives. Children and teenagers... Remember that even though Jesus was by all rights superior to Mary and Joseph, he still trusted them and did as they asked him. And he did this because of his love for his heavenly father and because of his love for them. So how can you honor your dad today as children and teens? And finally, as members of the body of Christ, it is our privilege and responsibility to support the men in our lives as fathers and as brothers in Christ. Listen, it takes courage for a man to ask for help. I mean, wives, you know that. Men will never ask for directions, will they? And if they, can't, if they won't ask for directions, it's even more difficult to ask for help in other areas of their lives. It takes courage. And so if a man approaches you for prayer, accountability, or advice, don't turn him away. If his needs exceed your ability to help him and counsel him, refer him to someone you know who can help him. Let us be a church where fathers and men in general find a safe place to share needs and to ask for help. Amen. We are here in this. Look, there's no perfect fathers. I'm not a perfect father. Just ask my kids. All right? But we should strive to grow and learn continuously and encourage one another. And that's what I'd love to see for us as a church, as a people, as believers. Not just as a local church here, but Christians, followers of Christ all over the place. So, hallelujah. We're going to now thank God for our fathers. Amen? And, and honor them by praying a blessing over them. Is that okay? So here's what you're going to do. If you are a father, if you are a grandfather, 
stepfather, a guardian, even a father figure. There are men who do not have children of their own, but they are father figures to other children through their relationship with them. So if that is you, I want you to stand up now, okay? All fathers, please stand up. Amen. Look at us. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Okay. And I'm talking to the fathers. Yeah, I'm talking to the fathers online as well. If you're listening to this message, I'm talking to you as well. Amen. I want to pray a prayer of blessing over you. Amen. And listen, after I've prayed a blessing over you, please remain standing, fathers, will you? Okay. Wonderful. If you're standing near a father, just, just raise your hand towards them, okay? Just raise your hands towards them. And if, you can, if you're close enough, you can touch them as well, okay? And, and let's just bless them this morning. Hallelujah. Father God, I thank you for every father present in the house, for every father online, every father listening to this message right now. I thank you for these precious lives, Lord. And we know and we understand the challenge of our mission as fathers. And this morning we look up to you and we say, Father God, help us. Give us the wisdom we need, the strength, the insights that we need to continue as fathers and grandfathers to bring guidance and strength and encouragement. Help us to listen to our children, to be present in their lives. Give us your wisdom as we give instruction and counsel. Father, bless the fathers under the sound of my voice right now, Lord. And help us to bring glory to your name by first having a relationship with you, Father God, and then sharing your love with those that you've entrusted to us. And we pray this. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Now listen, listen, church. Everybody remain sitting. Fathers, remain standing, please. I'm going to close the service now, but fathers, remain standing. And then we're going to say bye-bye to our online viewers, and we're going to continue a little bit inside here. Okay? So just remain standing. If you're sitting, remain sitting. Thank you, Father God, for your goodness for this time together. Thank you for your blessing this day and this week, Lord. As we continue our journey with you, I pray now that the love of God the Father, the grace and the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit will remain with each one of us in Jesus' name. Amen. Those of you online, thank you for being with us. We'll see you next Sunday. Have a wonderful day and a wonderful week. Amen. Praise God. Thank you.